0: Hi everybody, Patty Negri here, psychic, medium, and good witch. Welcome to The Witching Hour. I have a great guest for you this week, but let me tell you a little bit about this week. If you are listening to this um, the week of September 27th when it first drops, um, I've got a great week ahead. I've got a great guest and her name is Tess Whitehurst, all about love, who doesn't like love magic, in whatever form that is. It's all about love. And she is our great guest. But before we go there, I want to tell you about this week. It's almost October. Ah, that's the biggest thing about it. we I just got back, I think, from the world's largest ghost hunt in Salem, Massachusetts. Hopefully you joined us on myparanormal.net, for we were all over the world at ghost hunts all over the world. I was in this beautiful haunted place in Massachusetts. I am sure it went fabulously I'm jumping time and space here. You know, we do that. But this is another good week. My school, University Magicus, is now in full swing. If anybody's interested, Tuesday night, tomorrow night, or maybe past already, I'm doing a class on psychic protection. So I have classes right now through the holidays every Tuesday fun, magical, spell working, psychic development, all sorts of magical things that anybody can come to on Zoom all over the world. So check it out, it's everywhere. This weekend coming up is Orange County Paracon. Now, ironically, that is the one that's local that I don't have to fly to. And ironically, that is the one they decided to make virtual. So. The good thing about that is you guys can come to it wherever you are. I don't have a lot of information yet, but if you go to orangecountyparacon.com, I believe, you're going to see there is great speakers, there is great presentations, there's great panels, um, and join us from wherever we are, and I will be home in Hollywood for the only time until the holidays. Okay, let's see if you're psychic. What time of the day is it? What is it time for right now? I can give you a little tiny hint. Yeah, it's time for the Willow Report. Let's update you on my favorite dachshund. Last week we talked about dachshunds, we talked about what special dogs they are, stubborn dogs, smart dogs, and independent dogs. And I must say, this week, especially yesterday, she showed that to the nth degree. Um, She literally showed me things like, I'm going to be bad on purpose. You told me not to do this, so I'm going to do this in front of you with all abandon. Again, she's not in the mood again, but actually she was just sleepy. She's been running around out, out, out. Um, But then I realized for as good as she is and sweet as she is and smart as she is, She's kind of the equivalent of a teenager. Do any of you remember being a teenager and the little rebellious stage you have to go through? Even the sweetest, nicest person in the world almost always has a tiny rebellious stage when they're a teenager. I think that's where, that's where she is this week. She's the, I'm not supposed to chew on your hand, so I'm going to. na 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 Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. But then she kisses you and hugs you and loves you and gives you more love than humanly possible on a 10-pound dog, and it makes it all worth it. And then just remember, everybody gets through teen years. (laughs) I keep waiting. And again, if you are interested in dachshund or any other dog, please check out local rescues near you. Um, Now, again, by me, there's a really nice rescue in Seal Beach. It's in Orange County. It's a Seal Beach animal rescue. Um, They're not just dachshunds. They take every kind of dogs, but so do dachshund rescues. But they're a no-kill shelter. So, again, if you're in that Orange County area or you just happen to like the beachy area, check out Seal Beach animal rescue. And we're going to give you a different one every week. But find one near your house. And if you're looking for more love than you know what to do with, true unconditional love that can make your worst mood happy, and sometimes your happiest mood angry, get a dog or a cat or maybe a chinchilla or a ferret. I hear a really good too. Hamsters, hamsters are good. Get a dachshund. Thanks for joining the Willow Report. I wish you would look in the camera. I really wish you would look. There we go. Yay. So, but before I bring you Tess, who is going to talk about love magic, self-love superpower, I thought I'd talk about my favorite, very simple love spell. Because I know a lot of you out there are looking for love, looking for the love, and it's been a little rough in the year of the pandemic. But here's my favorite, favorite, easy love spell to do. It's a catnip attraction spell. Yep, catnip. Besides a lover, boyfriend or girlfriend, yeah, you might attract some cats, but that's okay. Who doesn't like cats? So all you have to do is in some water... Get some. I like, you know, distilled water or purified water. But water is just water. Get some water. In the water, put a bunch of cinnamon in and catnip. Stir it together. Get it going. Catnip and cinnamon. Cinnamon is about passion and love and firepower. Catnip attracts. It's got lots of magical qualities besides getting your kitty cat high, but it's really good for love. I use it in lots of love spells. So you're going to make this beautiful mix. I want you to overnight at least soak the catnip in the cinnamon. If there's a nice moon outside, if it's if it's a if it's a a new to waxing moon, put it out in the moonlight to get to it. You know, overnight. Here's your catnip. Come morning time, strain all the extra catnip out. So now you've got this liquid. If you have a spray bottle, put it in a little spray bottle. Otherwise, you can sprinkle it. Now, where do you want the love to show up? On your front door. Now, that doesn't have to mean literally. It it, it could be the mailman or the plumber showing up at your front door. But what you're doing is drawing in love to your home. So every single day or night... For 21 days, take your beautiful love mixture out and sprinkle it outside your front door. I like to sprinkle it in the shape of a crescent moon because that's romance and love and magic. But if you're feeling something else, maybe you want to do it in the shape of a heart. That's okay, too. So again, you're spraying or you're sprinkling with the intent to help the universe bring that perfect love to you. And guess what? It works. Now just a reminder with love magic don't do it on a specific person whoever that person is even if you know that they are your soulmate even if you know they're gonna love you if you meet you you do not do it on them That, no matter how good it sounds, is dark magic because you're controlling something else. You're controlling somebody else and you just never want to do it. Believe me, the karmic price is way too high and I could probably make them fall in love with you or you could make them fall in love with you and if it wasn't meant to be, it would be the worst relationship you had ever had. It would be like the stalker you couldn't get rid of and that was obsessed with you. So just put it out there that bring me the love of my life. You could say, make them funny or make them tall or make them rich or make them have a job whatever you want but do not specify the person if it is that person you have a crush on if it's them it'll work on them but do not state them i promise you will regret it but every night as you're sprinkling say bring me the love of my life bring me the love of the life so guess what you've done a love spell that easy a little catnip a little cinnamon a little water a little intent and lots of love so now on that note Without further ado, let's get a little self-love into the mix. Let me introduce to you Tess Whitehurst. This is her new book, and she's got a bunch of them, though. But let me see. Tess is, um, she teaches magical intuitive arts in the workshops on her online community learning hub, the Good Vibe Tribe Online School, which we'll have to ask her about. Um, She's an award-winning author. She's written eight books, which have been translated into eight. 18 languages she's appeared on bravo tv show flipping out several morning shows both fox and nbc and her writing has been featured in writer's digest spirit and destiny in the uk and online at elephantjournal.com ladies and gentlemen welcome tess thank you so much patty it's great to be here It's so good to have you. Again, just got this. I'm loving it because if this world needs anything, it is self-love right now. But before we even get into this mystery and mysticism and everything, you're the first person besides me who said they've been on uh, Flipping Out. Oh, were you on Flipping Out too? Oh, that's so fun. Gage, I did a whole clearing with them. This was years and years and years ago. I did it. Um, I did their house that was supposed to be their house. Um, And again, it was really... I do... I'm in the middle of Hollywood, so I do a lot of different TV, but that was a really fun one. What did you do with the guys?
1: Yeah, I did a feng shui consultation for oh, Jeff, okay. and that was also years ago. It was right after my I found out my first book was going to be published. So it was probably like 2008 or 9. Really? Um, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah,
0: it is very fun. They're very great. They're they just dabbling into this world trying to figure it out or at least when I did it's like so anyway I just had to I just I'm reading that it's going yay yeah
1: that's that's so cool I haven't met anyone else either who's been on that show
0: No, I, I, yeah, because again, it's it's not usually, that makes sense. You did feng shui, I did elemental cleansing. Right. That's us. They needed
1: us there. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they definitely do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they had a lot of feng shui needs along the way. That's Mm -hmm. funny. Um, So tell us about, again, well, tell us even before we get to the book about about your school. So you have a school of, of magical arts and magic seems to be in a very important world for you, which makes, so what is that? What is Yeah, so um,
1: I have the Good Vibe Tribe Online School of Magical Arts, and that is, it's an online learning hub. So I have all my magic workshops. I have, I think, 13 workshops now. They're self-guided. And then every Tuesday night, actually, after this, um we do live web chats so it's like we do rituals on zoom and talk about different magical topics and then we have like um a facebook group it's like really cool online community of magical Beautiful. people i love that
0: and i love again that you you you, you i well, i wrote down your quote what was it live your magic live your mm-hmm. magic yeah so what, what I always say is that we've lost in our modern society, we've lost the magic, we've lost the mysticism, we lost the mystery. So anybody that helps bring that back. How did how did you get here? How did you get started? Oh
1: well, so I think I've always w- believed life was magical, and that, and so my spiritual path. I, I started with Buddhism when I was in high school, and then when I went away to acting school and in Pasadena, I found magic books. Uh, this was a revelation to me. Um, I always sensed that that was something that was like a part of me, but when I discovered spell books, it just felt so great. So it it's been my spiritual path has been a spiraling into merging everyday life with magic it's like i think when i first started i had a sense that there was the mundane world and there was the magical world and that they were not connected and then over time i realized that is the path that is the spiritual path is finding the magic in every moment and infusing even things that are so-called mundane with magic
0: that is beautiful I, and I agree wholeheartedly That's I a, know I, <laughs> I get that sense <laughs> you look around and everything is say, like, ah okay so what about this book it's this brand new right it's just out right so yeah, yeah. uh again I don't think there's anything we might need more than self-love right now so but why, how did this come about
1: well, so I also have a podcast and on my podcast, I have a co-host Natasha Levenger and she and I were talking about this was I mean, I wrote this book in 2019. Llewellyn is very slow. Um, But (laughs) but, um, she and I were talking about how um, sad I was on my birthday. And someone, like I just often would get sad. Usually I'm not sad, but on my birthday I often was. And um, there was a listener who was also a reader of mine who was surprised. She expressed surprise that I would have a bad day ever. And um, I realized that. I I, it, I think it dawned on me that I could share the sort of spiraling nature of the spiritual path. I wanted to share also um, the commonality of having a bad day of being the the spiraling nature of learning to love yourself. That it just it's not like I think we can get this idea that there are there must be someone somewhere who never has a bad day or is like always happy and rich and never has any problems. And it's just, it's such an illusion and it contributes to this mindset that keeps us stuck. So I wanted to write about the way self-love uh, is the thing that comes in to help with that. It's like the more patience we can have with ourselves, the more we can learn, um, learn to see ourselves with compassion, learn to have a sense of humor about ourselves, learn to even embrace the things we're not great at and maybe never will be great at and realize that's okay. So I wanted to write about how that has been so important on my path and then also offer some practical ways to get, from here to there
0: okay so yeah your book seems to have like exercises and rituals and all sorts of things so what again my a lot of my audience is new and they're just kind of discovering their path a lot of them are very magical or witchy path or all sorts of paths um what are some practices that people can just kind of take into their lives to to go from you know i'm asleep at the wheel walking through light i hate myself i hate everything sadly there's a lot of that what would you suggest to start
1: well, so something I talk about in the book a lot is the um, realizing that you are not your inner monologue. So often we can get caught up, I think, every day, <laughs> all of us every day <laughs> can sometimes start to identify with our inner monologue. So we think, if I feel anxious, if I'm beating myself up, if I'm having Um, If I'm remembering some trauma and it's like bringing up those feelings for me again, that's me, that those feelings, those thoughts, that's who I am. That's my whole reality. So when we can start to get in the habit and that's what the, all the practices in the book in some way aim at helping us get in the habit of realizing that we are actually the space in which all of that arises. So we are one with infinite consciousness. Really, really we are. I think the more we meditate, the more we do ritual, the more we spend conscious time in nature, the more we just start to real to feel that, not to have it be a concept, but to really feel like, oh, there's my thought, there's my feeling, There's my identity in this lifetime as a small little human, but there's infinity. Like there's the sky, there's silence, there's space, there's the consciousness in which it's all arising. And that's, actually me so then yeah you might you still will feel those feelings but you'll have space around them and you'll have space for intuition to flow in too that's where intuition is able to flow in when we have that space between like when we're not so identified with our stream of consciousness and the illusion of separation then we can have uh, intuition flow in
0: I love that. That is beautiful. Um, so I know one of your chapters, and I just went right for this, and and you, it was like, and again, because you're talking about all this and finding time. Why do you want to forget about being awesome?
1: Oh, I love this chapter. <laughs> I know. I just, ah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I, uh, this has been such a big realization for me. I think something that helped was this book by Kristen Neff called Self-Compassion, where Dr. Kristen Neff, she talks about having compassion for yourself. And um, I realized that I, I got this idea when I was younger growing up, and it kind of sometimes comes back or hangs on because it's a real societal thing, that like I really needed to be good at everything. I mean, It was, I didn't want to be criticized. I didn't want to even have it enter my mind that maybe I'm not a good dancer or maybe my jokes aren't funny or maybe, maybe I am not as smart as. The other people I know, you know, like the, those, that would not be okay in my mind. Like that would diminish my self-worth. That would diminish my sense of love for myself. And then over time I started to realize it, none of that matters really. I mean, like I'm good at some things. You're good at some things and also we're terrible at some things. Or- and that's okay my list is long (laughs) (laughs) yeah and there's some things that we may get better at and there's some things that we may never get better at like I probably will never be able to carry a tune as much as I have always wanted to be able to but those things it's like when we think about I think uh, something I also come back to a lot with self love is when we think about people we love or animals we love, like love, not like, not like, oh, I I get a kick out of that comedian or I love that singer. It's like no, like love. When you love somebody, then you don't ever want them to think that that's conditional that it's like oh as long as you stay a certain weight or as long as you have a certain level of talent or popularity then i love you like we would never want them to think that and we know that is not love at all so this is that cultivating this this uh sense of um sweetness toward ourselves where we have that same sort of affection For ourselves, as we do for others, where we can feel like, "Oh, I'm proud of you. You're really good at that." And also, you know what? You're just—that's not one of your strengths, and that's fine.
0: Right. That's where comedy comes in. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, laughter. I feel like the more, the longer I'm on the spiritual path, the more I laugh, and the more I laugh at myself,
0: good-naturedly. Yeah, Yeah, good. Me too. And that there—and there's nothing more healing. I know we both were than laughter. And yes. Um, and I, I, cause I, I went with that chapter. I love it too, because I sometimes worry a lot of the new generation coming up that with what social media is and, and the, the, the even zoom automatically fix, it makes you look better and, and oh, yeah. face tune on your face. And all of a sudden everybody is this, this perfection of something mm-hmm. um, and I mean it I mean there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good we both have entertainment backgrounds we both have media backgrounds and we know you yeah you have to look good but the unrealism the unrealism is a little worried to me to makes people to not self-love themselves you right know, oh Gosh, I've got a pimple oh my gosh you know and yeah. everybody's eyes are crooked you know yeah yeah.
1: And also it's like, those are, I think it's important too, for us to remember the difference, the different ways we use the word love. Like we use the word love to mean I love your outfit. And then also I love my husband or my dog. And those are very different things. It's the same word, but one of them is an opinion and one of them is a, fe- a transcended feeling and the reason for being alive. So never will you love an outfit in that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so this is not... You have to remember that's not what we mean when we talk about self-love. We don't mean do you love your body like the same way do you love this T-shirt? It's like, yeah, I love my body like I love my daughter. This is my companion throughout life that is helping me to be a human and to heal and to get from place to place. So it's like a, a deeper, much, it just, I mean a whole different thing than, than the love that is an opinion.
0: I love how you differentiated that because it's true. Don't I think some languages have different words for love, yeah. but we don't. You know? I know.
1: I've heard that yeah,
0: too. Huh? Yeah. Love the dog. I love you. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so what would your advice for, again, for I have a lot of young audiences for you, say your 13 year old self or 14 year old self or somebody coming in, you know, coming into adulthood in this world and going through everything you go through at that age.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, as far as just like one piece of advice for a 13 or 14 year old, I feel worried that that feels like a lot of pressure. (laughs) But I mean, (laughs) I do, I would, um, as much as possible, want to help people to see the difference between the inner voice and the illusion that we're separate, and the connection to infinity, which is is our consciousness. So what I mean by that is that is every time we, um, every time we sit down to do a ritual, for example, you know, at the beginning of rituals and spells, it says ground and center and that grounding and centering that's coming into your body. That's feeling your weight on the earth. That's listening to silence, listening to your breath. And when you do that, there's a transcendent. It's a shift. That's why we do that before spells and rituals is because we're shifting into the part of us that is one with everything. And so just a little, like, I hope you guys, listeners are kind of doing this while I'm talking about it, that grounding and centering, that breathing, that sitting, that listening. And so when you do that, you listen to silence, or you notice when words arise in your mind that there's space around those words, otherwise you wouldn't be able to recognize them. So the more that you pay attention to the space, around words or the space around things and you start to realize like that's the same nature as my consciousness my consciousness is also space in which things arise so the longer you do that the more and it's at first it might just seem conceptual but the more you can actually step into that space and in meditation you'll like again and again get into thinking but it doesn't matter it's that practice of the more doors you can open even for a moment into that awareness the the more you get to come home to that awareness and then the more you can see yourself with compassion like as a little lovable creature doing your best as a human that is also infinite it's like there's these two levels. There's the infinite level and there's the finite level. When you're able to do both, be in both and identify with both, then you can have compassion for yourself as this little human and patience and laughter. And it doesn't, things don't feel as important or you don't feel like, you know, you have to be a certain way in order to be valuable, in order to be a precious little human creature in this mysterious world.
0: Yeah, Yes, and, and human creatures are amazing, yeah. you know? Yeah. We, are, we are divine, amazing yeah. beings and we have free will and we have all this stuff that not everybody, everything has, so.
1: I know, um, so beautiful. The way our eyes sparkle, the way we laugh, the way we wanna help each other. I mean, we're really a, an amazing
0: creature. Right, and and you're right. When we go inward, we start discovering that. Or when we're not so, what's on the outside? What's there? What's what yeah? What do people think? Do
1: I measure up? You know, all those things yeah. that our ego thinks that we can't really stop our ego from thinking them, but we can recognize, oh, that's my ego. And that and what I mean by ego is the illusion of separation. Like we are gonna have that that's what that's kind of this agreement that we whatever for whatever reason our soul made when we were born into this life we're like okay we're gonna play this game we're gonna be this little creature in this lifetime even though we're infinity so we'll continue to have the ego for as long as we're here but when we the more we can realize oh but that's not really the fullness of who i am then the the more self-love and intuition magic can flow in
0: Beautiful. So, on that note, I again, I just picked out little chapters as I went. Shine your light on your shadows. So, we're looking at our infinite being. What does that mean? Shine your light on your shadows.
1: Oh, so shadow work is so great. So popular, which I think is such a wonderful
0: thing to become popular. It's a wonderful um, hardly heard before and again i've been in the practice for decades but now it's everybody i'm doing shadow work yeah i
1: know it's so exciting so shadow work if you haven't heard of it is when you look at any part of yourself that you haven't previously been consciously aware of so there are many of these and there will continue to be those which is another part of how magical we are as creatures we'll continue to be mysteries to ourselves (laughs) throughout our lives but it's like for example. Like on my birthday, how in the past I have been sad on my birthday. In these past few years, I've really kind of noticed that. And then this last birthday, which was just August twenty third, I decided to do shadow work and to look and see what is that? Why am I feeling that? Because w- I noticed. I happen to notice this time. I was like, this sadness is unique. Like this is this kind of a sadness I only. Seem to feel on my birthday, and it's a feeling. I was like, "What is the feeling?" This is what I mean. I'm like getting. I'm using this as an example because it's getting clear on something that was just kind of fuzzy in my consciousness. And I was like, "The feeling is that I want to disappear. That I wish no one." Just for today, knew me, no one thought about me, like definitely no one wished me happy birthday. That was the worst. So, (laughs) so I looked at it and I did a meditation. I did a visualization. I did something I've been doing lately called internal family systems. Have you heard of this? Hmm. It's no. a, I think it I mean for it it's definitely a kind of shadow work but it's a way of looking at the different aspects of you like inner child inner adolescent and whoever else may show up they may have different forms inner critic um, so I actually through that kind of work I learned I saw that it was actually my inner children like at different ages that were kind of sensing intuitively that my parents weren't super into my birthday. They were feeling kind of guilty. They were feeling kind of like overworked and I didn't want them to feel that way on my birthday. So I didn't have, yay, it's my birthday. You know, I had, oh, this is an uncomfortable feeling. And so it kind of carried over that when people would wish me happy birthday or say, hey, what do you want to do for your birthday? I was like, I would just kind of freeze. But then knowing that I could send compassion to my inner children, I could tell them, hey, this is not the situation anymore. You don't have to be in that anymore. And so shining light on it, it was actually over time, it gets interesting. I think at first people think shadow work is. Painful it is. It is often painful, but when you get in the habit of it, it's like, oh good, I'm crying. This is a good yeah. sign <laughs> because this yeah. means I'm moving through something. This energy is moving and I'm getting greater clarity. And I think as magical people, as witches, we want to shine light into the shadow in order to open up more of our power.
0: Yeah, because again, what you're doing is you're bringing in light. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't think, like, all these paranormal messages, You bring a ca- or ma- you bring a candle into the room. You're bringing in the light, but yeah, you see those shadows. You don't right. see they're not there. Yeah, it, it's uh, so that's beautiful. So my other thing I went right for is how do you be a rainbow?
1: Oh, be a rainbow. So that chapter is about chakras. So that, to me, that's another way of becoming conscious of yourself. It's a form of self-care. It's a form of tuning in, noticing the part of your body that might be holding tension, holding trauma, just needing to be um, unstuck. So I love the chakra system to compare it. I mean, it is the rainbow. It starts with red at the root and then goes up red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. And I like comparing it to a rainbow also because a rainbow, if you think of it, it's the pure light, just pure light, but it, we get to see the different colors of the rainbow because they're refracted through a prism or through water. So in a way that's like us, it's like we're really just divine light, but we're just taking this moment to become visible in a certain spectrum in this human experience. And so it's, a, it's an interesting way of kind of tuning into different levels of vibration and then having tools, having a language, having a way of tuning into your intuition about your own body, but then having tools for healing, balancing, calibrating.
0: I love it. That's beautiful. So be a rainbow. Yeah. So did you have, did, when you were a kid, did you have this magical way of being?
1: I did. Yeah. And I know you did too. Um, yeah, I, uh, my mom told me, I don't remember this. I remember watching colors move around my room. I do remember that, but she told me that I, when I was like three or four said something to her that made her realize that I thought everybody could see auras that I was like, Oh yeah, you know, the colors around people's head and shoulders. And she was like, what? So I, I saw now I, with my physical eyes every now and then see auras, but not constantly. Like apparently I did when I was a kid, but I can tune into them. Um, And then I also, I always feel tuned into the fairy realm. And as a kid, I would go in the backyard for just hours and play with bugs and dirt and <laughs> just feel this. And do I even remember doing rituals. I remember um, gathering leaves like autumn leaves and sending them in the wind with my with my love for my cousin who was just across town and i missed him because he was my best friend <laughs> like just little like kind of natural nature rituals i used
0: to do when I was a kid i i, I think it's in the blood and i do <laughs> think early men did this had the connection to nature and, and again with our modern society and so many urban and electric everything and no seasons no anything we've gotten away to get back to it mm-hmm. uh, and of course you're a fairy girl you've you oh that. you can tell yeah <laughs> <laughs> i I love it. I've had um I for middle of Hollywood have a really big yard too, and I, I, i'll go and get I'll give them some cream and some honey and i'll I'll mix the cream and the honey and then they'll separate it and put it in two different bowls. It's like, look at you guys and, yeah. <laughs> um, so again, very very similar like that. And again, I do think that that's what the world needs more of. Yeah, awakening to the
1: natural aliveness—that's what I think of as the the fairies—is the conscious aliveness of nature, and a way for us to to commune with that. Yeah,
0: and to, to, to get barefoot on the dirt again. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what what do you think is your big, or as a person, your biggest influence? Do you go from the inside out? Um, any specific philosophies or belief systems? Or did you just kind of grow as you would come ah, out? Of, who, that's uh, an interesting
1: thought. question. Oh, um, well, you know, I love so many uh, authors and writers. I have kind of cobbled together my own personal philosophy, but I do really admire um, Eckhart Tolle. I really admire Louise Hay, um, Starhawk. I really admire, um, Selena Fox. Uh, yeah, I don't know who else. I mean, I've read many, many books and loved so many of them and gotten things from them. Like, like Dr. Kristen Neff was a big deal. That was only a few years ago, but she wrote the the book self-compassion and does research on self-compassion. And that was a huge, uh, huge kind of deal, turning point, realization, aha moment. Like Brene Brown is similar to the, um, learning about shame and um
0: resilience yeah oh that's beautiful and yes when i got into the craft it was way back in the the early days of starhawk and selena fox and just discovering this for me this whole new goddess thing and this whole new nature thing and it was like ah so yeah that's what it was in the 80s and in this influential what it was was beautiful yeah Scott Cunningham I like this sub- oh me too I love that
1: uh, I'm glad you brought him up yeah me oh,
0: too. yeah when I literally when when I wrote my I only have one book I have to work on two look at you ate hey, all these <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I I love it because I do love books I just um but when I wrote my book I I went eh, too many words nobody wants to hear my words i want to be like Scott Cunningham get rid of half the words oh <laughs> uh, yeah and it would just to make it this simple, but yours too, yours is clear and precise and, and beautiful. And Thank you. yeah, so I'm going to, to finishing it not going, oh, this chapter looks good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so g- give us one exercise. Do you have it like in a morning exercise for people to do or like For my people who haven't got your book yet, but I'm going to get it. Um, Oh, thank you. (laughs) So people can just incorporate into their lives. Yeah, so
1: um, at the beginning of the book, I recommend uh, creating a self-love altar. So Mm -hmm. an altar is such a powerful thing to create because it is a focal point. It's a way to remind yourself in the physical world. I mean, it's just a little... Um, simple but powerful form of magic, because what you're doing is you're making your intention visible. So if you set the intention to love yourself, and then you find maybe like a picture of yourself as a child where you just are so adorable, or maybe you're like being held by your grandma who you loved, like some kind of when you look at it, it opens your heart to yourself and then place that on a flat surface and maybe add a candle that's really all you need but then you could do chris you could do like rose quartz hearts you could do some incense you could do other things anything that reminds you to love yourself maybe there's a divinity a god or a goddess that could help anchor that energy for you or a saint Or a place in nature that reminds you of being kind to yourself, like a place you like to go. Um, This is all part of that creative process where you're making, and and you can work on it too. I mean, I love simplicity. So I love altars that are like just a picture and a candle, maybe a crystal, that's it. But maybe you like lots more stuff. and, And for me, like things will change. Maybe it'll be a little more ornate and then I'll be like, you know what, it's a new moon. I'm gonna change up my altar. I'm gonna put a different colored candle or whatever. So, but this living visual affirmation, this anchor of your intention, and you can meditate in front of it. You can journal. You can do your shadow work there. Um, that's a great, great starting point, I think, for your self love work.
0: You like you just got me really good. I mean, my whole house practically is an altar. Here's all. Yeah. Here and here's drag. And I have never ever had or even thought about a uh, having a self-love altar. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, doesn't that make sense? Again, especially in this day of age of where we're so insecure and so uncertain. Okay. I, I I'm gonna tell everybody to do that. Give you I will give you full credit. Oh, thank like, you. Area for yourself. It's like so thank you. That oh, is- thank you one of those little light bulbs just went off in my head. You know, <laughs> yay. How is that? Yeah,
1: yeah, and you know, I want to mention too, that it's not I, I I think sometimes people think self-love is the same as self-esteem, which it's not, and also is the same as narcissism, which it's really not. So self-esteem is fine but self esteem is an opinion self esteem is like oh i have a high opinion of myself in these various areas which is fine but i think it's also sometimes can be um unrealistic because maybe you know like like we're talking about with forget about being awesome <laughs> some some things you're going to be great at other things, not so much, but when the goal is self-love instead of self-esteem, it's deeper. And then narcissism is a very different thing. That is not the connection to infinity. <laughs> that is, that is again, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's a mental illness. It's, uh, it's not comfortable it isn't aligned with self love it it often comes from fear it often comes from ego which is that illusion of separation we know the difference between the way it feels to love and the way it feels to be self centered and they're they're opposite so yeah. it's not so just in case anyone is thinking like oh a self love alter sounds like i would be full of myself it's like self love is not being full of yourself it's being a, a like accepting, adoring, approving in a way that opens you up more to other people and to compassion for others, not less.
0: Yeah, no, that's why it hit me so hard. Not just, okay, here's a little altar. I got a picture just like, because it's so, people are afraid. It's like, you can't like yourself or they're, yeah, you're, or the narcissism is such a big word. People don't even know what it means, but it's like, if they think they like themselves, let alone love themselves. Right. Eagles in the way, or it's a self Yeah,
1: yeah, we just have to,
0: I think, it, the. what's that? We've gotten twisted.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think just in general, I think the, the way, the gauge is when you think of loving your cat or loving your grandma or, you know, loving someone it's easy for you to love, then you can feel that it that's a different thing than having an opinion like like if you turn that on yourself that's just like this healing spiritual heart opening warm feeling it's not self-centeredness it's not you know being conceited it's opening your heart to yourself which helps you open your heart to everyone else and life in general yeah.
0: That is beautiful. Well, again, I learn something every day and I love that. Um, I have lots to ask you, but I'm looking at the time. So, but before we go, I do want everybody to know where they can find you and what you do. And if you have, do you have any events coming up or... um, so where can people find you? What do you have coming up? <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. So um,
1: I also have a podcast, as I mentioned, Magic Monday podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, you can find me on my website, which is testwhitehurst.com, where I have a lot of videos and spells and rituals, free stuff. Um, guided meditations and you can sign up for my newsletter there and um, I will be at convocation in Detroit that's my next big event in person that's in um, February of next year it's a
0: uh, conference beautiful okay so everybody check out Tess Swithers check out her school check out her website check out all of her books and her brand new book self-love superpower. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for sharing your magic with The Witching Hour. Thank you, Tess.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: My Paranormal
1: Network.